It's time to mind your business with Jamila Lodge and Shelly Thunder, brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda Business starts here. It sure does on a hot August afternoon. Yes, <laughs> it starts. It's hot. Oh my it gosh. starts right here, but we are in the air conditioning, and uh, yeah, we're here to have our chat and welcome Kathleen Moniz, a direct a director at Cox Hallett and uh, Wilkinson to the program. Welcome, Kathleen. Hi there. Hi. So I'm excited about having a legal uh, person or mm-hmm. representation on on the show. But before we get into all of our questions, Kathleen, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself at, at Cox Hallett Wilkinson? Sure. Um, good afternoon. Um, so I became a lawyer and started practicing uh, about 14 years ago um, with another firm. I worked at that firm for 12 years and moved to Cox Hallett in 2018 and became a director in 2020. Um, My practice primarily focuses on corporate and commercial law for both local and international clients. Awesome. And so that's kind of why we have you here on the show, because we want to talk about um, how uh, important it is to consider legal Uh, things in business formations for businesses that are considering starting, for entrepreneurs who don't really have a clue about what's required and what type of business formation they should take. Now, does CHW practice primarily corporate and commercial law, or do you have other areas of practice as well? No, we have other practice areas. Um, We have a a strong litigation team, private client and real estate, um, employment and immigration, as well as intellectual property, so trademarks. Okay. It's interesting because IP and trademarks are always a subject of discussion because people don't, sometimes they don't know the difference. That's a whole different conversation, but um, good to know that you practice that because I'm sure uh, there will be people who may have questions and after this interview, they will know who they can reach out to. Absolutely. As a director, what is your role now? You you are a lawyer, but what's your role for CHW now in, as a director? Well, unfortunately, as a director, you, you have to do all your portfolio of clients' work, as well as being involved in the firm and staff management, recruitment, marketing, um, mentoring students. Uh, so you're basically... Um, Jack of all trades. You sound very much like an entrepreneur. <laughs> Which is perfect because that's what we're always talking about here is this whole entrepreneurial mindset and and how you have to pretty much, like you said, be a jack of all trades to actually get things done. So that's great because that means you can identify completely with entrepreneurs and, and the challenges that they actually experience when they're trying to start up their, their business endeavors. So what I the, the first question and the question we always get when it comes to uh, entrepreneurs who are starting up their businesses is what are the different types of business formations that exist in Bermuda? Well, that list is long. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Hang in there. All right. um, you have your sole proprietor, so that's your unincorporated um, formation. Um, you have general partnerships, limited partnerships, companies limited by shares, companies limited by guarantee, and new new to the game, limited liability companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there any... So, okay, our stakeholders primarily are going to be the smaller guys, right? It's me. I have this passion. I've been considering and toying with the idea of starting a business. And so I guess the question is, is there one structure that I should consider 
off the bat or is it a, a way that we can kind of work up to to what would be the preferred structure for a business? Yeah, and that that we always take on board and, and you and I have talked, um, you know, previously mm-hmm. with regards to especially clients that come in through the BEDC that every entrepreneur is going to be treated differently and they're going to have a different business model. Mm-hmm. So they need to consider which formation best suits their financial situation as well as their business model. Right, right. I would agree 100%. Personally, um, the most recommended um, from our teams here are the companies limited by shares. Okay. Um, and and, I, and you're probably going to ask me why. I am. <laughs> well done for anticipating um, that. <laughs> I mean, First, from a cost perspective, a lot of people say, oh, setting up a company is too much money. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the funds right now because I'm just trying to get my business off the ground. So to those com- those clients, we say, well, get off the ground by being a sole proprietor for the, for the, for the onset, mm-hmm. but, but squirrel away some money to then be formed as a company limited by shares. And I say that because when you're a sole proprietor, if something happens to your business, it, um, some freak event. Um, I remember talking at a BEDC um, chat, um, basics or back to basics, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we were talking about, um, and one of the clients, had, they had an online platform, and what happened was they weren't incorporated, they were incorporated, and they got their platforms hacked. Right. And so all their client information was um, leaked, but because they were protected by the limited liability status, they couldn't. They didn't lose, you know, their their bank accounts. They didn't mm-hmm. lose their homes. They weren't personally liable. It was only the company that had to to pay the difference. So, it's an asset protection thing. Right. So you have a mortgage over your house. You don't want your business to, you know, someone, a painting company and somebody falls off a ladder and injures themselves and sues the company or your construction company and you wreck something, um, you don't want somebody coming after your beautiful home that you've paid a lot of money for. Right. And I think that's important because oftentimes people don't understand the difference and what kind of protections um, establishing a, a separate entity. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, you use the examples and I think that you know, kind of explain, but can you talk about why you would even, you know, suggest that someone consider um, incorporating their company? Yeah, I mean, obviously we get this, oh, lo- you know, lawyers are too expensive, mm-hmm. but look, if your <laughs> isn't set up properly from the start, it's only going to be um, poorly run from an administration side of things. Right. It's best to get your your books in, in in a good working order from the start, and you're incorporated. A lot of people right now are doing collaborative work, so you've got you've got either your your seed money coming in from an investor, or you've got a project that has lots of shareholders and lots of different personalities. So to have the right documents in place is super important to avoid conflict down the road. Yeah. Mm. You know, if you um if you, you group of friends get together, set up a company, 10 years from now, that group of friends look very different. Yes. They can. It they sure might not can. even be talking to each other or something. It's very true. <laughs> like, I've seen it happen, like, even in, in, in weeks of, mm-hmm. of company starting. Um, and so, I, I, you, you know, you think about that cost. It's the opportunity cost. Like, in your example, where you talk about the person who 
um, did incorporate their company, the online company. And because of the fact that they were hacked, they didn't have to have any personal liability. They weren't liable. The, personally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what, how I try to explain it, and you can correct me because you're the lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> is that um, incorporating your com company creates like this separate entity that, sure. you know, um, is responsible for itself technically. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it puts in a barrier between your own personal liability and the liability that the company itself may assume. Correct. I couldn't have said it better myself. Hey, now. Gold star listen, for Jamila. <laughs> all that stuff that you guys have been talking about is rubbing off. So um, <laughs> it's good to know, you know, that, that we're advising people in the correct way. Absolutely. Um, but we tell them to go to you when they need more specific advice. And so let's talk a little bit more about, like you said, each business is different. And so you mentioned, like you said, a list of different structures. So the one that we most get asked about is you mentioned the company limited by shares. And now recently, as of the last, what is it, two or three years, we have the LLCs. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two? Because limited liability company, LLC, and company limited by shares, LTD, mm. and some people's mind they're the same things, but they're not. That's correct. They're not. Um, a company limited by shares um, is, is formed um, and it has shareholders, which own shares in the company. And a limited liability company is a company that's formed and run by members that are that own units. They, so basically, the company doesn't issue shares. Mm. Okay. Now, I will tell you, it is interesting that I, I guess it's the new flavor of the month, too, because we also get the initial request to form an LLC over a company limited by shares. But I will tell you that it's more more expensive long term to operate an LLC than an, um, a com company limited by shares, only because the annual fees payable to the registrar of companies is more expensive. So that's interesting that you say that because, you know, we, we have a table and we list the annual fees and we try, you know, let people try and decide for themselves what structure is going to be best for them. But in terms of the shareholding and all of that, the required annual general meetings, is it the same for an LLC as a company limited by shares? Or is that, and is there an opportunity for you to derive cost savings, you know, if you choose a LLC over an LTD from the standpoint of having to pay someone to make sure that they're holding the meetings and stuff like that? Yeah, well, first of, uh, first of all, Jamila, you can do away with your annual meetings. Um, that, that's a new piece of legislation okay. mm. that you can, you can suspend your, the, the need or the requirement to have your annual general meetings. Um, so from that perspective. But what, I, what we say to, um, to you know, smaller businesses, mm -hmm. if you do form an entity, look after the books. You know, we'll give you the tools so you know what flags you need to run. Right. So you need to make one filing every March and don't miss the filing. Right. And the rest of the books just take care of themselves from an accounting perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you don't need to pay, um, you know, a heavy cost perhaps to a corporate service provider to basically hold your books for you. Right. Which is a huge cost-saving factor because people think that if they have to be formed, they have to have this corporate secretarial arm. 
That's exactly right. And I think that's good to know, right? Because people don't know that. They're like, okay. And maybe that's why you're seeing more of an increase in and request to be an LLC versus a company limited by shares is because people don't know that you can waive that AGM requirement, which means you have to have that corporate secretary, which means that there are costs associated with that. So that's good to know. Yeah. And also there's a, it, it, um, from, the, from the onset, when you're forming an LLC, there's drafting the LLC agreement, which takes into factors of all the, the members' um, business and the, their thoughts and all of that, which raises legal costs, whereas a company limited by shares, you're taking the bog standard off-the-shelf incorporation documents, so they're, you know, you're just basically changing the name. Right, right. Well, listen, that's why we got you on this show, see? (laughs) Because you have to help us let the people know what the options are. So in a scenario where you have this um, business and you mentioned, you know, initially if money is an issue, uh, you can start out as a sole proprietor. But what are some of the industries uh, where companies really should consider uh, incorporating their business and creating a separate industry? What are some of those industries that you would say, uh, yeah, we need to (laughs) start considering this sooner rather than later? Um, I'd have to say anything that involves service. Um, yeah, I was thinking services for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, S- services. Um, we, we we saw a lot of um, in 2019 and 20. Well, beginning part of 2020, we saw a lot of um, uptake in the, the the mini mini bus business. Yes. Mm. So you know when you're transporting passengers and all that. In order for you to even get your license, you have to be an incorporated entity. That's right. So right from the get-go, to get your license to have the minibus, you need to be incorporated. So there's those. If you're dealing with people and providing a service to people, it, it's best you get incorporated. Right. If if you're making, you know, handbags or um, I can't think of another example right now, but selling shoes. <laughs> jewelry, yeah, all that stuff. Jewelry, that yeah. kind of stuff. It's not. It's the 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 the, the risk factor. I was just going to say lower. risk averse things. You know, yeah. you you have to weigh the risks with yeah. your business and whether or not incorporation is the wisest move. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also how much money is going? How much money are you going to need to get up and running? Because the banks will are more likely to loan loan to you if you have. An incorporated entity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they can, you know, they can take a, a, a priority charge over the co- assets of the company. Right. So if something happens, you're not personally liable again. Mm-hmm. I always say too, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mind being wrong in, in public. Now. If I'm not saying it right, you tell them. Um, but when you consider starting a business you should also consider like what your exit strategy is like what do you want your business to be when it's all grown up Mm -hmm. and in my mind I'm thinking that having a separate entity like you said with assets and Mm -hmm. things like that would be easier to sell than your sole proprietorship which you and your business are one in the same it's like well if you go, does the business go does with the you? Business yeah. Disappear? yeah. So I'm always trying to encourage people to think that way. Think long term and what you ultimately want to do. Do you want to eventually sell this? If you do, yep. then what are you selling? You need to create this separate kind of entity with assets and financials and all that kind of stuff. So am I on the right track? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, I look all this co-sign and this is working for me. Um so I, I I definitely think that 
it is important to have that kind of legal support and expertise. But as you know, as we've already communicated, sometimes when uh, businesses are starting up, that's an expense that they just can't figure out how how to to yeah they can't finance it right now Mm. so is there anything um i know you shouldn't be saying this but is there anything that people can do themselves to prepare themselves for the eventuality of coming to see um a a, a chw or any other law firm for that matter to get themselves formally incorporated is there anything that they can do themselves get a head start yeah get a head start Mm. if you will thank you (laughs) shelly um I, I mean, obviously, they can get their, their business marketing pro, uh, portfolio up and running, um, start getting the word out there, starting to drum up clients. And then when they're ready to be formed or they're ready to go after that loan from the bank or, you know, enter into a joint venture with, a, mm. with a, 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 you know, a capital injection or an investor that wants to come in, mm-hmm. then they can come and speak to us, um, you know. We we pride ourselves on being a firm that welcomes all all types of business models and try to do our best to offer the best best service as well as the best price for helping people to get off the ground. Right, right. So if in, outside of the incorporation and business formation, what kind of other reasons, let's say, would a, a business or company need your support? or need the support of a, a law firm? Um, well, if, if you've got, say, a, a new company and you want to buy a, a piece of property to put, a, you know, um, set up a, a location, mm-hmm. you, you might want to use our real estate um, department to help with the facilitation of that property purchase. Um, our, as I said at the beginning of the call, our intellectual property department mm-hmm assists with making sure you own your brand and your brand is is, is registered so mm-hmm. that, you know, in the long run, you have rights um, involving that that brand. Um, and, of course, if there's ever conflict, there's our litigation team to mm-hmm. assist with, with those types of things, as well as um, if you want to recruit staff, um, employment issues always arise when you have staff. So we also provide um assistance in that area so basically you guys can just be the full you know the full, full service, full uh, service legal team legal if, team if, there, need, yeah. if needed um yep. which is good to know now do they do like the 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 um the group rates and all? <laughs> like, like insurance companies insurance the bundle. Company, that's right do you do the bundle the legal bundle no well i'm sure there's different fees for different uh services but um so yeah. well, there's an opportunity there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we like a little bundle now. So, I, I, yeah, we we all and we all like a good savings too. Yes, mm-hmm. that is very true. That's very true. Well, but, the, I mean, at this time, no, but um, you know, that's definitely an idea for the future. Camille. See that? See, that's why we have the director on here because she can make these things happen. She's going to bring that up at the next meeting. <laughs> at the <Yeah>. next meeting. <laughs> but no, it's true. I mean, I I think we. We at BDC we try to encourage people to to institute things that are going to make them better business owners. Right? We understand that there are expense associated with it, but we understand what could happen if you don't have these things in place. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you could actually lose your whole business if you're sure. not protecting yourself, or if you haven't created this separation from your personal and your business. So you know, this is good information to share. It it is, and it's it's super important because it's. 
it's the long term. You have to think about all the all the long term risk um, and and reward mm. that you're trying to protect. Yep. Because at the end of the day, it's it's your name on the side of the on the truck or the business card. You're mm. absolutely right, and I think especially in Bermuda, sometimes so much of the business that we enter is tied and linked into everything, and it's unfortunate, right? Because sure. When you start a business, it's a whole risky endeavor. Entrepreneurship is risky. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that that in the definition, it's like those who are willing to take the inherent risk for Mm -hmm. reward. Mm -hmm. Um, But oftentimes we don't get the ability to fail and start over because everything is so intertwined and interlinked. So if there's an opportunity to try and limit that risk, then it makes sense to do so, so that you can try again, right? Sure. Try, try and try again until you get it right. Absolutely. So one of the things that I want to talk to you about now is for those who are listening and are like, okay, I wasn't sure what I needed to do. I'm considering, you know, setting up my business as an LLC or LTD. What are some of the questions or what information should they be prepared to give to you to be able to go through this process? Um, so information on who the, who the shareholders or the members will be, um, how that ownership is going to be shared, whether the, the owners are Bermudian mixed with non-Bermudian, um, whether any licenses are required for the type of business that they're trying to incorporate. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we need things in, you know, in the world of anti-money laundering. We need identification and utility bills. And most importantly, how how do the shareholders or the members want to share in the profits? Mm, mm. Yeah, that's I a mean, good a, point. A lot of entrepreneurs right now are solely owned share, shareholders mm-hmm. and directors. So you can, you know, that's a very small and 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 um, a model that we see a lot of. But there are, as I said before, models where you've got multiple shareholders mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, foreign investors are now coming in and seeing um, potential and, and they need that, you know, Bermudian idea. Mm-hmm. And so they partner with a Bermudian. So there's all these things that um, information on how you want the company to look once it's incorporated. Yeah. How is it decided how many shares a company needs to have? So proprietor can be, okay, I own all the shares. Are there a hundred? Are there a thousand? You yeah. know, how, how are things like that worked out? So we we basically advise that you can pick any number out of the sky you like. Oh wow! Um, some of the smaller, you know, because it's it's money that you put into the share capital account. Gotcha. So if you don't have a thousand dollars, you're not going to set up a share capital of account of of a thousand dollars. You're going to set it up with ten dollars or a hundred dollars. Gotcha. And that gives you ten shares okay. or a hundred shares or a thousand shares to play around with. Yeah, okay. So. You and I, Shelley, mm-hmm. if we went into business together and you said, okay, well, I, let's split it 50-50, each shareholder would own 50 shares. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. See, that makes sense. That's- it does. Because I'm sure people would have been saying, well, if I got to have shareholders, who am I going to ask to be? And That's right. Is it family or can it be family or should it or shouldn't it be family? And all of those questions get, get thrown up into the mix, you know? Yeah. And, and on that point, that's where the conflict comes in mm. or can mm. erupt. Yeah. That's right. The other thing I think, you know, if you're considering um, incorporating a company, especially limited by shares, like you said, you might own a hundred percent of the shares now, but as your business grows, I guess the value of those shares would grow too. And if you wanted to raise capital for the company, couldn't you sell some of those shares to raise capital? 
Absolutely. And, you know, you could also even increase your authorized share capital, thus giving you more shares. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way, because, you know, for the most part, when people are thinking about starting businesses, they go and get a bank loan, right? They come to us and get a loan guarantee, and then we Mm -hmm. support them getting a bank loan. But if they are a company limited by shares, that's also another option is that they can raise capital from getting investors who purchase shares in their company for XYZ. Now on yeah. that note, um, it, is there a difference in types of shares? Because some people are like, well, I don't want anybody, you know, invested in my company because I want to run it how I want to run it. And I don't want them telling me what I need to do and what I can't do it. Can you make a, a definitive difference between the types of shares that are available? Yeah, absolutely. You can ring fence and class your shares. So, Um, You could have that investor have preference shares, meaning that they only only are eligible for a distribution from profits if if one is declared, and you could take away their their voting rights. Okay. Um, So that way you can you can do your business, run your business how you like to see it, but but they get a cut of the profits because that's all they're interested in is getting their revenue back. That's right. Silent partner. Yeah, their return Mm -hmm. on their investment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good to know, because oftentimes, you know, we have those conversations and people are like, it's their baby and they don't want to cut their baby Mm. up and give Mm -hmm. it away. And I'm like, well, sometimes to make the baby grow, you need that to to have, you know, to share it. You see that in venture capitalist type shows where people are pitching their businesses to them and stuff. And so for this amount of money, I want 10 percent. That's right. And things of of, of your share or, or, or. 40% 40% of your company or however they put it. So yeah, I'm glad you raised that, Jamila, because that raises another point on how you know important the legal is from yeah, the start. To be protected, yeah. If you are entering into that type of arrangement, it's really important that the incorporation documents stipulate what rights that investor has yes. and what rights the actual business owner has. Right. So it's clear from the start. So mm-hmm. there's exactly. no you know, confusion and all of that. And that cuts down on some of that conflict, some of that, sure. those fees you got to pay to resolve. And, and knowing what the points of law are, which yeah. is where, you know, legal <laughs> legal um, advice comes in because knowing those points of law and what leg, if any, you have to stand on in any disagreement is really important. Mm-hmm. So the question of the hour, <laughs> <laughs> how much does all this cost? If it's, Let's say it's a sort straightforward, a yeah, mm-hmm. incorporation, nothing fancy. I'm going to own 100% of the shares in the first instance, blah, blah, blah. What, what kind of range are we looking at? Um, well, we, Cocktailet, offer our BEDC clients a reduced rate. <laughs> Um, it's three thousand eight hundred, mm-hmm. but that includes one of those fancy gold leaf minute books, mm-hmm. um, which you don't need to get. Um, you can take that out. So roughly thirty five hundred. Okay, and that's the BEDC re- member rate. That's the member rate. Yes. So if you're not a BEDC member, why not? Why, why aren't why you? Why aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think th- I think going back to your question, what should somebody be doing before they come and see a lawyer? Yes, you. Yeah, come and see BEDC first. Right. Make sure you've got a couple thousand in the back pocket to handle some of your your legal advice costs and stuff. It, it seems to be a good way to get started when you've got that business plan under your arm. You That's know? right. That's right. <laughs> and, like, there's no legal requirement to be a limited liability company or company limited by shares. But as you correctly stated and shared, that you have to assess what the risks are mm. and to determine 
if it makes sense for you. And if you're moving down the road of eventually selling or, you know, your risk profile increases, Mm -hmm. then it would make sense that you also, you know, contact, you know, CHW or or other legal Mm -hmm. um, advisors to try to get that protection and support. So the other question I want to ask you is about how long does the process take? Um, From the time that you come in, um, the the Registrar of Companies has a new electronic platform, Mm. um, which is fabulous to use. Um, I would say from from our first initial face-to-face, it's about three to five business days. Okay, that's on. really quick. That's quick. <laughs> I thought she was going to say Me weeks. Me too. Because you for never them. know how long other entities take to process their yeah, admin, right? Yeah. You just never know. <laughs> but that's quick. And is it, is it because that new system hasn't been implemented or? No, the regulators are very streamlined. The consent Good. from the Bermuda Monetary Authority is seamless. Um, the teams at the ROC are are are. It's, it's easy for them to process things quickly. That's it's good. a lot less paper by having the electronic um, up p- portal. Okay. Well, you know what? We're almost at the bottom. That went fast, huh? Time goes quick. It sure did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> so before I let you go, I just want to, to ask you, like, what is a CHW's position on supporting small business formation and the growth of local business in Bermuda? Um, it's very important to us. Um, hence why we partner with the BEDC to make sure that people are informed and, and are able to offer a special rate for those clients that come in this route. Um, we were always trying to promote um, small entrepreneurs and business in Bermuda generally. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, sharing a little bit of your time with us today. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it, too. Now they know a little bit more than they did before we started. (laughs) Um, And certainly we we look forward to continuing to partner with you because we're always trying to figure out ways to help cut down on those operation costs, although we know that it's necessary, right? We want you to do good business, smart business, protect yourself, protect your family assets. And of course, getting a company formed and created can can definitely do that. So I definitely appreciate you for joining us today, Kathleen. Thanks so much much for having me. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, they can't say they didn't know because Kathleen just told them all about it. She She just just told them all about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jamila, let's do this all over again next week. Same time, same place. That's right. Right here on Ocean 89. It'll be time to mind your business because if you don't, who will? Thank you for listening to Mind Your Business with BEDC. Bermuda business starts here.